Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the spring broadcast. Oh, right. Happy spring. Happy spring. Yep. The CCJT Amateur Hour. Across the table from me is CC. And across from me is JT. And we're just sort of blathering today because we don't really have a subject on hand. We do uh, want to point out that our last two broadcasts, if you are, you know, anyway Irish, you may be interested in our postcard from Ireland. And uh, we did a movie thing, movie television Irish show. Irish-themed movies. Yeah, and we talked about the common themes and stuff like that. So if you're interested in that... Uh, those links are on our website at www.carsonhume.com. We don't really have a really hard subject to talk about, basically, because we've been having some technical issues with our podcast equipment, and I've been very frustrated, and that's been sucking up my brain. So if you've noticed some sound quality difference here, we're back on the snowball. Our Hello, snowball. Friend, our good friend, the snowball. Yep, I, I have a very great fondness for this because we've used it so much yeah, we've used it yeah we've we've been doing this for about a year now and yeah the snowball has been the the uh, feature star of the show so here we are with the snowball and i guess we could probably you know pick since it is spring we could talk about the seasons and writing spring being the season of rebirth summer being the intense emotional heat of a relationship. The fall years of, of you know, existing, you know, you've, you've, you've gone through the spring and summer, and now you're in the fall. And then the winter of our times, dark times, cold times, which some could say are the times that we're living in now. So seasons fit very easily into writing metaphors. Yes. Are, are there any others that you could think of, like spring being love? Oh, definitely spring being love. And uh, summer is freedom and, uh, you know, youthful abandon. Um, most people seem to have a little bit more flexibility in their schedules. They allow themselves more time outdoors to enjoy themselves. So it's kind of a freeing season. Fall can be kind of a, almost a season of rebirth in some ways too, because, you know, the earth is about to go dormant for the, the winter season, but it's there's a lot going on too. There are the, you know, everybody's harvesting the winter crops and they're getting ready for those great holidays at the end of the year. And so it can be a very warm and cozy season. And then um, winter, the only thing that really pops into my mind is that now is our, the winter of our discontent, mm -hmm. which is a very famous phrase. But uh, winter can be very cozy and um, kind of more internalized. You know, people are curled up in the house and that's why spring is such a happy time. It's like we've been enclosed indoors during the cold winter season and now we can expand our horizons again. And it's uh, it's worthy to point out, of course, that uh, winter is the time when we can, you know, as you said, cozy up. That could be the extra family time too because Thanksgiving and Christmas. And True. The, and December, of course, uh, contains Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the other December holidays, which I'm not disrespecting by not mentioning, just there's a lot of them. But right. these are family times. So December and January, of course, is could be considered, you know, some intense internal family time. Yes. Actually, it's November for Thanksgiving, but, but November still. going into December. Right. The... Um, we actually do have some very well-known holidays at this time of year also if you are a religious person. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people live their calendar by the religious calendar, and that can be a very big story component. Let's just focus on spring for a second because it is it is the first day of spring. The vernal equinox. The vernal equinox. And so spring is on our minds for several reasons. First of all, baseball. Baseball's back. <laughs> baseball is back. So obviously spring in... in uh, Field of Dreams is a very big deal, 
also, but also, you know, Shoeless Joe, which is the book. So it's a very big deal. So all those baseball movies, Spring is always talking about the, you know, we see the, we see the athletes running out onto the field full of energy and full of hope. And, you know, when the, when the baseball season starts, everybody has the same record. Everybody, well, may not have the same expectations for the postseason and everything, but for a moment in time, everybody is equal. So it is a, it is a beginning of a new season, it is a beginning of a new hope. And then probably, by, you know, by May or June, the Cubs will be out of it. But by, you know... June swoon, man. Yeah, so we're not we're not unrealistic. But, but baseball, as was pointed out in Field of Dreams, sort of encapsulates what America is in a way that it, it is a time of rebirth. It is a time... It's always been there. It will always be there in some form. And it's, it's, it, it's that energy and that, and that hope and that um, that common thread that pull us all together that gets us to October, November for the postseason and so forth. It just did. It, it, baseball sort of is, is encapsulates three of the four seasons: being spring, summer, and then winter. When we go, oh God, wait till next year. <laughs> <laughs> and is it spring yet? <laughs> yeah. So spring, summer, fall, winter. But yes, it, but, but still. During winter, we tend to say, is it spring yet? We miss baseball because obviously we are not followers of other sports. We are solely baseball fans. We'll watch other sports on occasion. We do tend to sit around for the Super Bowl, which, you know, whatever. Whatever. We watch football because basically... There's no baseball. There's no baseball, so there's (laughs) nothing really else to do. What else about spring? Well, spring, of course, is the season of love. You know, spring is the season of love, even though I find it ironic that... You know, February fourteenth falls in winter. That's true. But spring is this is is historically the 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 season of love where young men's thoughts turn to those of fancies. Well, and with the weather warming up here, as we have been approaching the spring equinox, the um, I've noticed leaving the house first thing in the mornings, the air is filled with bird song. Mm-hmm. You get that nice fresh. Air because there's a very distinct difference between a cold winter morning and a cool spring morning. The birds are definitely coming out, and in their case, I'm not sure we would call it love, but they're looking for a mate. They're and there, we see them doing their little dances, and we hear all the bird song, and it's very cheerful. It's a very cheerful season. Yeah, writers, we're giving you hints here. <laughs> you know, other parts, of, other parts of about spring is that getting out. You know, getting you know, opening the windows. Letting that air in, and of course, uh, planting. You know, that's when folks will go out in the garden and start working the gardens again, doing that regeneration of life. Spring is life, is what for many people. Spring is life. We, you know, we've done the winter. We've done the the winter. Um, you know, sleep, but the hibernation, the hibernation. Thank you. We've done the the winter hi- hibernation thing. And we're getting out and, you know, experiencing life again. And it's and that's kind of important, too, after these last couple of years, because we do need to get out. And even though there is a there is a brand new variant out there, what a shock. Yes. Uh, and the government is, here's another shocker, not really paying it, you know, paying attention to it or beating the drum. And it's a fact that numbers are rising. And so we can't help during this time having that feeling of hope, that feeling of regeneration, right. that feeling of life. And these are all parts of that can that a writer can use to to provide a background, provide setting into their books, into their writing. And, you know, spring is life. Yes, and that can factor into things 
along with the other big issue that's happening right now with Russia and the Ukraine, where you know the, the invasion happened during winter. We know it's very cold, it's very dark, and that theme can also play into the bigger aspect of the story of what's going on in the world and how we tend to look at wartime things, like maybe Dr. Zhivago or something. Mm -hmm. That is very, I always picture that as very cold, icy, winter-themed. But then as things start to improve, you see the snow is melting, the ice is melting, you know, you have less of that disgusting mud that you're trudging through and you're getting into that more hopeful season so they you can tie things together too that way summer you know going moving on to summer of course the summer of of heat the the summer of sun you know the summer of sun the the you know summer 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 and it's and to me as i've gotten older and i'm speaking only for myself here is it seems like summers have gotten more intense as i've gotten older because i was i was raised in nevada so i remember summers in nevada and i don't feel they were as intense as they were when i was younger but you know, but then again because i'm older and of course i've gone through physical changes and tolerances of changes i just you know i have to look at this objectively and i'm just wondering if i'm seeing this subjectively thinking that the summers back then were different because of course they were you know viewed from the eyes of a younger man a uh, different person different responsibilities so summer was you know was was a different time than they are now to me right now summer is just one hot marathon that i'm trying to get through to get to fall it is and it's not just the heat it's also the smoke because we have so many wildfires at that time of the year but i agree i can recall um since i came up to Nevada as a teenager, The I remember distinctly going to a 4th of July because it was a big deal and there would be a big event at the park and everyone would get out and watch the fireworks. I remember distinctly a freezing cold 4th of July night where I was wrapped up in blankets watching the fireworks. So we do, I don't think the nights are as cool as they used to be during the summer because that was one of the real high points of Nevada, having come from a climate where it was hot and muggy overnight to a high desert where it was hot during the day and cooled off pleasantly at night so you could sleep, there is definitely a difference, I think. And not to make it about us, but another no. example which you've forgotten is what happened on a certain June 25th. It snowed. Excuse me, June 5th. Oh, right, June 5th. I was thinking of your birthday. I'm sorry. That's but June, the, but the, the evening of June 4th, <laughs> Yes, it, it did snow. The evening of June 4th, going into June 5th, we we came out of the theater and there, it was snowing yes. in June in Nevada. Uh, so, but, but again, not... Well, but then just to build on that, so our wedding day, beautiful sunny day because the snow melted right away, which it does when that happens. The evening that we got married, I remember distinctly leaving the church to do some outdoor photos and we were all freezing and it was like 6.30. Yeah. Because the shadow of the church, it was cold yeah. in June. And, yeah. you know, that isn't quite summer yet, but it's usually warming up at that time of year. So I think that things have definitely changed 
Yeah, but we got to be careful because we're just, you know, two people in this, you know, this big pool of Crazy science. World. It's, it's yes. a science thing. It's a science oh, definitely. thing. We're, neither of us are qualified to talk about climate no. change. But on the flip side of that, we have a general sense. Of, we have common sense. We, we have can felt see the change. We, can, we see the statistics. We know that it's happening. Uh, and so what else is, what else is uh, you know, some are uh, known, known for, some are well, known for water. People take, you know, people uh, go out of their way. To, to go, go to, the, to the Lake Tahoe, go to the beach, you know, try to commune, so to speak, with whatever, with whatever their favorite body of water is. And I had a science teacher that felt that we were more, we have more in common with dolphins than we do with uh, with the uh, ape series, mm. and that we that we are our water is almost our second home. And if you live on the coast or you live near the lake and you see people there all the time, you know that's also true. So summer is also a time of communing with water. You were going to say something, and I sort of jumped in there. No, I, I totally agree with that. What I was going to say was kind of along those lines is with summer, I think of, um, you know, people on the beach, but then it's more of a kind of a, going from a love in spring feeling to a lusty, you know, mm-hmm. intense heat and passion of mm-hmm. summer feels a lot more intense than the the burgeoning romance in spring it's like some of the romances are a lot more like oh they're on the beach and they're putting oil on each other and you know there's a lot of exposed a lot of visualization a lot of visualization a lot of skin and i think that's important for writers uh that probably know this already but let's put it out there anyway that men are very visually stimulated maybe not women as much uh, as men but men see skin you know that's that's a you know boom and yes that's where There's been a lot of pushback on men, you know, saying that, oh, well, I couldn't help myself because, you know, and that actually that can factor into your writing, though, into your character. It's like, is your man, you know, can he control himself or maybe your woman, for example? It doesn't necessarily have to just be a man. You see the covers of romance novels, and they're like the shirtless yeah. man with all the, you know, the yeah. abdomen. You see, you the... see the men's tits, but you don't see the women's tits. <laughs> well, that depends on what kind of novel, because there was and, a series that, you know, it was yeah. pretty risque. And uh, we do have to also point out, be, to be fair is fair, you know, women dress that way to stimulate men, too. So sometimes. sometimes. Sometimes they Some, do sometimes, it just because it feels good. Just because it feels sexy, just because it makes them feel young. It's 100% support that. But there are those. And I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm not trying to be that typical male. I'm just saying, hey, sometimes it happens. Right. No, that is true. We can't stereotype. You know, generically say that all women dress this way for one reason. Right. Sometimes they wear something because it just feels good. Right. And sometimes it's just hot, and they just want to be cool off, which is again 100% acceptable. And enough. that's you know the same is true for men. Men wear certain things. You know, like if you're someone's a mechanic, obviously. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the summer he's wearing a tank top and he might right. be wearing shorts because it's so hot out and he's covered in grease. And, you know, you get that visual. Right. And what the person wears can factor into their character. Exactly. And we're, we're just saying we're not, you know, we're not trying to pick on any gender. We're not trying to pick on any stereotype. But summer is a season of lust. And just one more small point about gender is we're not trying to pigeonhole gender as in birth mm. gender, right. physical gender. Gender is very fluid, which we are learning more and more. So we're not trying to say that there aren't other genders aside from male and female. Yeah. Hormones are complicated, people. Oh, definitely. Hormones and self-expression and self-identity are all very, very complex. Fall. Fall. Now, for me, 
Now, for me, fall in Nevada is actually what I think is the most beautiful of the seasons. Uh, and I have not yet been to New England during during the fall. We've seen the pictures, of course. But for me, Nevada is, you know, it's the, the temperatures are less extreme because, as we pointed out, in the summer they can be freezing to 100 plus degrees in 24 hours because desert. In the fall, the, the temperatures are more moderate and the foliage is getting ready for the winter's nap. And so they've started to change and it's just... It just sort of feels, for me, it feels like I'm exhaling during the fall. Because after the summer, there can be marathon sessions of super heat. And then the uh, fall, of course, is, you know, for me as a baseball fan, is, is the fun time. Because we get to see, you know, the playoffs and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm a little bit of a sports ball guy. But um, what other uh, parts of fall work out for you? Well, I like the... Um the Halloween aspect. The You mentioned New England. I follow some people who are... Um, you know, they're very into paganism and witchcraft and, uh, you know, that factors into it. So like the the symbology of the Halloween season, the, the skulls and the, the black and orange and the, you know, some of it goes back to my childhood, obviously. I was very much a Halloween kid and I come from the era where you would go to the store and they had boxes and boxes on the shelves of these Halloween costumes, very cheap ones that you could buy and put a mask on and pretend you're somebody else. Mm -hmm. So fall for me always feels very Halloween, very um, otherworldly, so to speak, Sp supernatural, spiritual. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, I know that some people would push back against that. If you're very strongly religious, then there is, you know, that is a bad thing. So that can really factor into a story. And it has. I've always been a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe. And I very much associate with Poe with fall and the Halloween season. Fall is that kind of relaxed time for, for me. It's that time where, as I said, I can, I can exhale. And you're right, you know, Halloween, probably, you know, the greatest American holiday ever. It's just, it's just, it's just a time to start that hibernation process, too, because, uh, because sometimes in Nevada, fall lasts for one week. <laughs> it's very funny, too, because in Nevada we have the Nevada Day holiday to celebrate our statehood. Yeah. And normally it's late summer, it's hot, you know, going into October. As we get toward the end of October, when we celebrate Nevada Day, all of a sudden there's this one weekend, usually the weekend of the Nevada Day Parade, where winter hits. Right, boom, done. <laughs> For those that are, from, that are not from Nevada, Nevada celebrates its statehood on yes. the Friday before... Uh, October 31st. October 31st, of course, being Halloween. For many years, oh, excuse me, and I should say that that Friday is a state holiday. And yes. since you and I are state workers, we get that day off. Mm -hmm. So we get a three-day weekend, which is ideal because uh, for uh, people that want to travel to the, Nevada's biggest parade, which is the Nevada Day Parade, which happens in Carson City, right down Carson, excuse me, Carson Street. So it's, it's a big deal for Carson City, the entire three-day weekend. And for many years, I did, and I know, and you did after we got married, every single Nevada day, we were in that parade in one way or the other, either girls when scouts. I was in high school or <laughs> when we were with, with the girls. Yes. Every, then, you know, after a while, it's sort of like, okay, we've done this. We're point. done. We're done. We've done this X number of times. But you're absolutely right. October, it would be just, it would be nice, temperate. We could still wear T-shirts and shorts, you know, during the day. 
But man, the morning of the parade, you better be bundled up because it is a, it is, you'll, you'll get frostbite if you don't bundle up on the morning of the Nevada Day Parade every single year. Well, I remember specifically one year when I was taking college classes and I was doing student government, we did a float mm-hmm. where we recreated a classroom and we actually, it was fun. We did a lecture. I took notes and everything. We had a chalkboard on the back of a flatbed pickup and yep. we had the school colors and everything. And the professor at the front. The professor, an actual professor from the college. And the, I remember that one for that reason, but also it was freaking freezing mm-hmm. and we were sitting on the float. So we weren't moving to get warm and oh my gosh, I was so layered and my hands were freezing because I was taking real notes. He was sociology professor. Yeah, he was a sociology. And uh, I mean, I that's a very, very vivid memory of mine because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is fun, but I'm freezing. I can't wait to get done. Yeah. <laughs> and that happens, that happened every year, yes. every year without, without, without going. Okay. So we're going from fall into winter, Yes, which may be, and it doesn't have to be, which, which may be the, the season of family, maybe more so than, you know, summer, of course, when the kids are out of school, but maybe winter is more the season of family because of Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the other dozen or so holidays, which are very family oriented oriented it's also it's also my least favorite season i have to say because i just because of my upbringing which is too complicated to go into right now i just hate cold i just don't well, like cold and you bring up the the family aspect too though because that can be a major stressor there are in my case i like to do the holidays in a big way i like to decorate everything like crazy and you do fantastic thank you but there is a level of stress to that as much as i enjoy it now i've come to expect that i need to do certain things and i need to make it bigger and better every year plus there you know if you're having family over for the holidays you want to make sure your house is clean you want to make sure the food is just right you you know so there's a lot of stress at that time of year too oh there and there's stress just just the family interactions. Stress, you know. Fortunately, we don't have to do it, but the thousands, if you know, millions of people who have to get on a plane, travel, yes, that, and travel is, is, you know, that you know, and the, and of course the family interactions, the uncomfortable ones. You know, there's that uncle that has his views and he's right no matter what, and you know we've all been there, you know, and of course the influence of alcohol on the proceedings. And the kids that are going to be kids without filters, which is absolutely fine, but inevitably they're going to say something or do something that's going to tick off the boomers in the room and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the mother-in-law, the daughter-in-law, the father-in-law, the son-in-law, those those chemical, not chemical, excuse me, but those familial social social interactions where, you know, people just absolutely loathe it. But hey, during the holidays, we're going to put smiles on and we're going to pretend that everything is okay. And sometimes that doesn't happen. No, no. And that can be a big factor in stories that you said at that time of year. There's also the opposite of that. People who don't have a lot of family, who don't have the family connections and the loneliness they feel, they don't celebrate any particular holiday because there's just nothing to do. There's no one to see. And it can be a very isolating time of year, too, for some people. So you can do the yin and yang on that one. And then not to be Debbie Downers, but there it is a family time. And there are families, many, many families, which are just exactly the way they should be. They, you know, they're full of love. They're glad to see each other. They haven't seen each other for the entire year or in this instance, two or three years. And this is a time of, you know, hey, you know, good to be back together. 
where we have a, we share a common bond, we share common memories. We are one, not many, and th- those are, and those are stories that should be written as well. Those yes. are stories that should be pulled out and written as well. Whereas are one against the world because we are family. There is a market for the drama of family, you know, not getting along. But there is also a market for the cozy. We're coming back together in the bosom of family and we're hearth and home and everything is warm and you see the glow of the holiday lights and, you know, everything is cheerful. And maybe there is no drama. Maybe it is just a feeling of peace and comfort. That can really appeal to people, too. And there's the coming-of-age stories that ha- that kids have during those seasons and those holiday memories are the strongest ones they have because I, I can speak to I can speak to this is uh, is you don't the kids don't see that disharmony what they see is the harmony of the get together and they don't see the underlying tense they don't see the underlying nervousness and then perhaps in a coming of age story they start to see that they start to visualize that the uh, dancing at Lou Lunasa. Yeah, the, the movie that we saw uh, last week where the narrator, Michael, he, he was sort of in that state too. At the beginning, he was a young, naive man. And then he saw how his family, which he thought was a, was a unit, mm-hmm. unfolded and came apart at the seams. And so perhaps this is something that a writer would consider using the holidays as, hey, this is, this is not only a coming-of-age story, not only becoming more aware of the surroundings other, but seeing that, for example, and this, this is my instance, where my grandfather and my mother did not get along, and seeing that, and not seeing that disharmony, then one day seeing it kind of growing up at the same time, because that is part of the maturation process, seeing that mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, grandpa and mom, sometimes, you know, they're, they just do not get along, and they're staying together for the kids. And that's a good point. I do feel like my personal uh, experience with the holidays has changed over the years. As a child, I really, really looked forward to the Christmas season because we got a break from school. I found school very stressful because I was one of those kids that got picked on a lot, you know, and I'm sure a lot of us were. But then there was also the stress of being at home and having very strict parents and at least during the holiday season, when we got together with family members, instead of being just constantly under my parents' eyes, it was I was playing with the cousins because they're like, okay, you guys go off, do something, just leave us alone, we want to talk. Mm-hmm. So you bring up a good point with the coming of age. I didn't see the family drama. We were off playing together as kids, getting into trouble, and the adults were talking about whatever they were talking about at the time. So for me, that was a very freeing time of year from the stress of my, you know, my nuclear family life. You know, as an adult, I've found that more of my life is pleasant. So the holidays aren't quite the high point of the year that they used to be. They're just, they've become more of a stress for me over time because I have put expectations on myself. So there's a lot of a dynamic going on in Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, it's complex, but the human experience is complex. Yes, but that's another season though. I mean, we mentioned spring and youth, and so like, even though it's the Christmas season, that was like the springtime of my life where mm-hmm. I was like, I was still naive and everything was fresh and new. And now as we're getting older, it's more like, oh yeah, been there, done that kind of thing. So yeah, see, you know, seasons, of course, they blend together. They don't stand they do. alone and they overlay each other because for, 
uh, for as you pointed out uh, during the during the winters, this was your springtime because this mm-hmm. you were young and so on. And so the seasons they overlay each other, and for the writer, of course, weaving that all together, weaving that tapestry all together with words on a transcript, is the challenge. But it's also the joy because. We all came of age in different ways, and, apply, and applying that view through a story is, is, gives, uh, gives us, the readers, some, some food for thought about our own experiences. Maybe we can relate to it, or maybe we can say, oh, dear God, thank God I missed that. Right. <laughs> you know, talking about that brings to mind a very famous coming-of-age story by Mr. King, mm-hmm. our I don't know, our godfather, our writing godfather, our writing. Stephen King, but Stand By Me. You mm-hmm. know, the kids are out in the summer, they're they're naive, they're, you know, doing the summer thing where they're going, to, going down to the water, they're going down to the river, you know, they're walking along the railroad tracks and they find a body. Yeah. And I think initially the story was called The Body. Yeah. And um, that was a coming of age story for them that uh, this kind of took away some of their innocence. And it, you know, having seen the movie, I don't think I ever read the short story, but it you have a very specific image in your mind of that moment when childhood kind of just disappeared. Fades away very quickly. Yes. And so, and that can be a season or that can be an event. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, Christmas when when you as a child saw the non-interactions are going on or during the summer where you went on an adventure or during the spring where you go to a baseball game and you realize that, that they, these are grown men earning millions of dollars to throw a ball around and it's something just doesn't add up right and you start to realize they're not doing it for the joy of throwing the ball around like you did when you were in your own dirt playground. They're doing it because they're getting paid and they have an incredible amount of stress to maintain that level of performance and you realize that baseball is, is a business, not a sport. That's a coming of age moment too. So mm-hmm. there, so the seasons can be used to represent stages of life, but they can also be used to, to represent stages of growth. And the you know the typical seasons, the seasons on the earth, the lunar seasons, whatever you want to call them, can be a big factor in the setting of your story. For example, I've never been south of the equator. It would be very jarring for me to spend Christmas in Australia yeah. because that's the height of their summer. You it, can use things like that to kind of throw off a story for people all, in the northern it's all hemisphere. Yes. Yeah, it's all relative. So, and of course, you know, we, we, we mentioned what our favorites are and what our non-favorites are. And of course, those could be flipped for the characters, for example, and not to use a stereotype. Absolutely, a goth-like character may absolutely love winter obviously, for, for, for obvious reasons. So or these autumn. are things... So these things are that can be flipped around and moved around. So seasons are what we make of them. They are right. what we make of them, and they but they are a universal theme that can be used to reach out to our readers, so they can instantly understand what's going on. So when we say you know it was a typical cold December morning, we don't really have to say anything more than that because most of us in the Northern Hemisphere, have experienced a typical cold December morning. Right. And that will also vary. If we go into too much detail, which I think you've mentioned in maybe your Patreon podcast, that we have to leave some of it to the reader's imagination because the typical cold morning here in Nevada, you know, we have snow and ice. Mm -hmm. A typical cold morning where I grew up in California was fog. It was softer. It was not, you know, the harsh climate that I 
gotten used to up here or the Midwestern winter where it's really extremely cold. So depending on where your reader is located, they're going to infer their own experience mm-hmm. on what you're describing. If, unless, of course, you add those key details. It was right. a cold November morning in Wyoming. Well, or yeah. a snowy morning in the mountains. Yeah, you know, that type like that. of thing. Okay, so I think we've, what we've done is we, we've talked about the seasons and we've given some ideas to our, our fellow writers on how to use the seasons in their writings and how where the seasons do have their own unique slots, their own unique stereotypes, but they also can be flipped and round and so on and so forth. We talked about seasons as climates, but we also talked seasons as a person almost. And we talked about seasons as tools. And we've hopefully we've given folks some ideas. Any last thoughts about seasons? No, I just wanted to say that I really like your mention of the tapestry because the weaving the layers, this, like the threads of the story over and under each other mm-hmm. so that they become something broader and incredibly beautiful in the end. And that's really what we're doing as writers, is we are weaving a tapestry. We have to make sure that threads are kind of in the right place for the story that we're telling. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I think that's a fair point. I don't think we need to hammer this away. Nope. Okay, so the commercial part, here we go. You can hear this podcast and other podcasts, along with our blog posts and other things on our website at www.carsonhuma.com. I should have said at the beginning that Cece and I are a couple of boomers that try to write. We try to get things done. We try to put things, we try to put words on paper. Sometimes we're successful, sometimes we're not, but we're not. Actually, that's, that's something we might talk about in the future is the idea of actually having people read our work and how we feel about that. Yeah, we just do me a favor, people. Just buy my books, but dear God, don't read them. Not true. I think you should read them. They're very well done. Okay. I also have a Patreon out there for uh, where I am unveiling a book right now at patreon.com forward slash JT Hume. I haven't actually gotten to the book yet. What I'm doing is I'm doing a series of podcasts on the elements of my books and how I was able to put them together. Most of it is gibberish, but I hope you have fun listening to them. Please give up a Starbucks a month and log in and sign on and become a Patreon. A patron. A patron? A patron. A patron on patron my Patreon. Pa- patron Patreon. <laughs> I think that we've uh, kept these people on the hook for long enough. Any last words at all? Hope you enjoyed the spring and the, the coming summer and the beautiful change of the season or if you are in the southern hemisphere we yeah. hope that you're enjoying the fall yeah we hope that you're having fun no matter where we hope that with us finds you well and we hope that uh, we you're in a good place until then we'll talk to you next week have a great week